So I, I grew up in Minnesota, and I, I'm probably mentioned that at various times, and, and uh, Minnesota, where I grew up, really rural areas, and uh, we grew up uh, kind of farm country. Uh, my family wasn't farmers, but we were surrounded by farms. We lived out in the country. As a kid, I spent so many hours just hiking, walking, bow hunting, you name it, uh, back in the, the mile square behind our house, woods and fields and, and pastures and, and barbed wire. And, and there was also one other thing that marked a lot of the area and territory. Uh, I want to show you a picture that reminds me a lot of what I grew up around. A rock pile. There were so many rock piles all over the place. And um, how many of you grew up or have experienced the spring rock picking adventure that if you grow up on the farm, you have to do. Um, what, what happens is, is every spring after the spring thaw happens is all these rocks surface in the fields and, and uh, farmers, they go through and they pick rocks. And those rocks have to go somewhere, so they usually end up on the edge of the field in rock piles or in the pasture in a rock pile. That's where they're placed. And, and these things, these piles grow over the years. And uh, as a kid, I remember I'd walk by these things and say, you know what, that's a lot of rocks. A couple of years ago, I was doing a landscaping project, and uh, I needed some rocks. And uh, I, I didn't know of any rock piles, so I, I knew there was a, a stone store down Rochester Road, and I, I needed, you know, maybe 15 rocks about this big. And drove in, they said, well, you um, just put, are you gonna put them in your trunk? I said, yep. And I said, okay, you just go over to that pile over there, but first we're going to weigh your car. And, and then after uh, you're done putting the rocks that you want, then we'll weigh your car again. I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, no, no problem. And, and uh, they, they weighed it again. They gave me the receipt. I go inside the pay. And, and I'm thinking, uh, this is no problem. I got five bucks. I mean, this is gonna, um, I mean, they're rocks, right? I mean, rocks are everywhere. And they, they said, that'll be $120. And I'm like, what? Like, they're rocks. I said, oh yeah, they're, they're rocks, but we, we charge by the pound, that's why you weighed, and, and uh, that'll be $120, $120, I got five bucks, like, they're rocks. They said, I don't know what to tell you, sir, that's, that's what they're worth. I'm like, really? And uh, can I put some back? <laughs> um, and I did, I, I didn't buy all the rocks. You know, it, it changed my understanding of value that day. Ever since then, if I'm ever out in the woods or biking along a path where I see a pile of rocks, I think, wow, that's, that's a pile of expensive rocks right there, you know, because they're valuable. And, and I share all of that because I do believe this, that I think sometimes we lose the value of things. We miss out on realizing the value of ourselves. And, and the value that, that God has placed in us as his called, redeemed, chosen, set-apart people. We, we forget that, that our lives have value. And, and I think sometimes we underestimate what God desires to do in our lives. And the reality is, is sin gets in the way. Uh, it, it gets in the distortion range. We, we live in guilt or shame or we live in this, this tunnel vision of following through on what we want to do. And, and, and maybe we get really grumpy in life and we're frustrated and angry all the time. Or maybe it's that we're just caught up in, in following passions that uh, lead us in paths that take us far from God. And you know, the reality is what we're doing is we're ignoring our true value. 
It's amazing how that same perspective then affects how we see other people too. Maybe we start to treat them as objects or, or people that really don't matter or we don't have time for. And we walk right past them, not realizing how valuable they are and what God has planned for them. If only his people would take the moment to ponder it. Now I share all of that because it's amazing what a bunch of rocks can become when given an opportunity. I, uh, there's a, one of my favorite places to ride past on my bike is out in Richmond. And uh, this summer I was on one of those rides and I, I took a nap underneath a, on the front yard of a church uh, building, facility, uh, sanctuary. And uh, I want to show you the view that I had as I was taking that nap. Um, and it, meanwhile, praying that the pastor or priest wouldn't come out and kick me off the yard. But I'm looking up at this thinking, wow, that's a lot of rocks. But how beautiful. When rocks that seemingly have no value are put together to form something so special, so gorgeous, so amazing, so powerful. And I want you to just ponder that. We're going to keep that picture up there as we get into God's word together today, to just put that word picture together. What does it mean, ultimately, when we've been reminded the church has left the building, the church is alive, it's not bricks and mortar, it's made up of people redeemed by Christ crucified who matter to God, whose value and purpose in life finds its purpose and meaning and value in the one who is willing to sacrifice his life for us. May we never underestimate what God can do in the life of his people. Let's, let's open God's word to 1 Peter. And as we do, 1 Peter chapter 2, these words that Mr. Weber read for us just a few moments ago, beginning with verse 4, and, and even as we do by way of introduction to this text, again, who wrote this by the Spirit? Who? Peter did. And this is the same Peter that just... Three weeks ago, we heard that moment where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And remember, it was Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turns to him and says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And we, we pulled that apart linguistically and in the original text, and and how what's understood there is that Peter isn't the rock. Peter's confession is the rock that Jesus is going to build his church on. And, and isn't it significant that that same Peter is the one that's going to use a rock or many rocks and stones to remind us of who we are as God's people, the church. If anybody should get it because he was right there when Jesus explained it is Peter and Peter's going to share it with us now. What does our calling look like when it comes to what Jesus is doing to build his church? This is what he writes, again by the Spirit. As you come to him, the living stone. And by the way, it's a good thing Jesus isn't dead, isn't it? Because that's really who he's talking about. He's talking about the rock of our faith, that is Jesus he says, the living stone. This is not a dead stone. This is not an unvaluable, forgotten stone. No, this is, this is where we find life. And, and Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. Ponder this with me. What's he mean when he says rejected by people or humans or men? What's Peter getting at? Well, certainly he's talking about the ministry of Jesus. You think about it, there were moments where he was very popular. Of course, he had a huge following, and, and as he continued to teach on the kingdom, and, and as things changed, and as that, that, that turn toward going the way of the cross, and how many abandoned him, and even as he turned to his disciples, are you going to leave me too? And that great moment, we said, Lord, who, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You are a God of life. You are the source of meaning and purpose in this world. Where else would we go? Yes, many rejected Jesus, still do today. But Peter's pointing us to what happens as a result of all this. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, um, Think of this. I mean, here he is saying, you're like a spiritual house being built. And, and I love looking at that picture and saying, I wonder which one of those rocks is me. <laughs> Where would I fit into the picture of, of God's plan? And, and it's significant, and I, lest we be reminded of this too, uh, when Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter and on this rock, and, and some have interpreted this, that, okay, God's going to build his church on the clergy. If that were true, Peter never would have written what he wrote here because he's writing to the church and he says, you are a royal priesthood. He's talking to all of us by nature of our calling and baptism into Christ. You are a royal priesthood. God is building his church in and through you. You are living stones. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a living stone. Some of you thought I was kidding. Okay, but I'm serious. You're a living stone. You're not a dead stone. You're not a forgotten stone. You're not on a pile out in the woods, even though so often we live like that, as if our life didn't matter or as if our life doesn't have significance or as if God isn't going to do anything through our life. That's for other people or pastors to do. Meanwhile, we miss our calling as the church because the church is only as strong and, and powerful in Jesus' name as we trust in his promises and his calling over us as we're willing to follow through on what he would have us do. I, I love that. I once was challenged in this way. What if everyone in the church lived their Christian life like you do? What would the church look like? And that's a great question. What would the church look like? Peter goes on. He says, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What a promise. Jesus who comes with the love of Christ and the love of God in this world, in this broken, fallen world, and he comes to sinful people like you and me, people who often don't understand it, often reject it, often turn away or underestimate what God can do in and through us. And, and he reminds us that this one comes, and in him, there is no shame. Shame's an ugly place to live. Now, to you who believe this stone is precious, and obviously so, it's a precious stone. 
our Savior Jesus is in our life. The cornerstone, the, the capstone that holds it all together as his church, his word, his sacrament where Jesus meets us with his presence and his spirit. It's precious to those who believe. But to those who do not believe, Peter reminds us that stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. It's interesting how Jesus can be very controversial, right, in this world. It's amazing when people reject Jesus and and here's Peter reminding us that there's a lot riding on this because Jesus is truly our purpose in life and when people reject that or turn from it and there's eternity in the balance there. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But not so with you, Peter's getting at. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, do you think that Peter's thoughts here are that he has called you, God has called you and set you apart in this world to to speak and sing praises to the one who has now given you mercy and grace and forgiven you and pushed shame far away as one who has died in your place, sacrificed his life, given up everything for you, now to release you into this world, to come together and only talk about your faith with believers. Only sing praises for an hour on Sunday. How could this be? When God has called us to be a light in this dark world. To give witness to the one who has redeemed us. To give witness to the one that's building us not into something made of bricks and mortar, but something that is alive in this spiritual house that God has called you to be part of, not to be just left on a pile of rocks out in the woods, but to be on display as a light for the gospel. I'll show you a picture. You know what that is? This is a rock that was just discovered. It's a new rock. It was featured on the cover of Geologist magazine. I'm, I'm sure many of you read the article. It's a joke. But it was uh, featured in, in national news recently. I, I saw it on NBC Nightly News. Uh, Lester Holt reported on it, and uh, it's been in other places. I think uh, uh, Newsweek had an article on it, too. It, it's, um, it was discovered by a, a man who lives up in the UP, and uh, he was walking along the shores of Lake Superior, and one night he decided to bring a black light, a UV light, along with him. And as he walked the lakeshore, he noticed that some rocks would just start to glow underneath the black light. And uh, this is an example of it. I mean, they look like they're molten lava. I mean, they're just beautiful, just amazingly incredible. And uh, he, uh, he sent pictures and samples uh, for uh, geologists to study, and uh, they confirmed this is a rock that had not been documented or known to exist and uh, he has now named them. He, he calls them Uperlites. That's brilliant, right? In fact, he now leads people on Uperlite 
uh, excursions along the lakeshore. He hands out UV lights and they walk along. You can go find it up on Lake Superior. You can go find your own Uper light, right? And, and now you're thinking, I, I'm not going to pay attention at all today. All I want is a Uper light, right? And, but the thing is, is I, I just love the example here of, you know, here's, here's a special rock. And, and where is it? It's in the middle of all these other ordinary rocks, and Jesus doesn't call us to a holy huddle to just keep to ourselves. I mean, this is, this is an example of what it is to be out in the world with the light of Jesus. Because you know what? The light out there is dark. And, and God has called us in the midst of darkness to share the light of Christ. He says it here. You're a royal priesthood. You're, you're people set apart. You, you once were not a people. Now you are a people. You once didn't have mercy. Now you have mercy. God has called you and realizing you have value. You aren't forgotten. And, and there's people out there that don't know they have value. They don't know they matter. And we have opportunity every day to make a difference in Jesus' name. No matter what our talents, no matter what our abilities, no matter how much time we have, no matter how disabled we are or how busy we are or preoccupied we are, this is our calling as the church, God's people. I know it's just a day, but you know what? It's an opportunity to rehearse this. October 6th, we are going out into the community to be the church. And, and, and I'm going to just say, what if the church, what's the church look like if it's you? And you say, well, that's just not for me. I, I, I'm too busy or it's not my thing. This is an opportunity to rehearse what it is to be the church that day. And to go to a, an assisted living community and bring encouragement in Jesus' name to somebody who's lonely, maybe feeling forgotten, and to be able to just say, can I pray for you? You are loved. I hope you have an amazing day. And to spend time with someone just to hear their story. That's time well spent in Jesus' name. How about going out to a public park where you just simply go and, and clean up an inner city park that, that has been forgotten to show the love of Jesus to a community that often feels neglected? What's it like to, to go to an inner city congregation and, and, and paint a few walls and, and change out some light bulbs and do it in Jesus' name? That's time well spent being the church or going out into a, a Detroit neighborhood and cleaning up yards or a, a Rochester yard. There may be a family that, that just can't do it anymore and can't keep it up and, and, and to just show up and say, we're here to serve. We're here to love on you in Jesus' name. I know there's a lot of excuses not to be involved in something like that, I, but I got to tell you, we got a call this week from a 90-year-old woman in our congregation who couldn't be more excited to go and serve. And, and she said, I, I can't wait to go to inner city Detroit. I love Detroit. I want to make a difference in Jesus' name. And she said, but there's one problem. I can't drive anymore. Will somebody get me there? You know what? If a 90-year-old lady is going to go and serve in inner city Detroit, what's your excuse? I mean, really. Let's make a difference. Let's come together and be the church that our Savior has called us to. It's not a gimmick. It's just an opportunity to join together and be reminded we're not alone in this. God is building us into something amazing. May we celebrate that together as his people in this world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for value. Often we discard rocks and stones and just would never estimate how valuable they are. And yet you remind us today, we're living stones. You've died and rose again to give us life and forgiveness in a calling in this world 
that is beyond value. Lord, help us to see our part in that, of the beauty of what you are building in this world, to share the love that you've come to give, and a love and a reality that goes beyond the, the, the circumstances and brokenness and pain and darkness of this world, but a light that shines into eternity. Because people matter to you, Lord Jesus, and may they matter to us as well. May you move in us, shape us, mold us to become the church that you desire more and more by the power of your presence through your word and your sacrament as your people, we pray it. In Jesus' name, amen.